going on, Military Cash Flow family? What's going on, Mike? How you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. I just uh, closed on another triplex, and huh. I'm working on a syndication deal. So things huh. are going good, man. We'll see. By the time this airs, we'll actually see how that syndication deal played out. But so far, so good, man. How's uh, how's everything with you, man? Oh, deploy. Yeah, as you say, deploying. But I mean, it's you know, it's I'm in a hard stand building. You know, I'm not I'm not you know in any. Uh, in real any real danger or anything like that so I'd, I'd rather call this a rotation but uh it's going you know working uh working just working pretty much i cut out a little bit of time set up a little bit of space to uh do this recording so still overseas making it happen you know no excuses and uh that's pretty much it with me man that's pretty much it with me i uh, just uh you gotta love it, man. actually over here with my wife that's actually pretty cool that i don't think a lot oh. of people get an opportunity to do that so both of my me and my wife are on the same staff so it's pretty dope man it's pretty dope. That is awesome. That is awesome. Makes it makes it a lot more bearable for yeah. sure. Yeah. I see you got your uh, sweet military cash flow shirt on. You know? Oh yes. Hey guys. Hey for all of our listeners. This is coming out soon, right? It ain't here yet. This is a prototype. But yeah, the military cash flow swag is a coming. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah. And matter of fact, perfect segue to find all of this sweet swag plus some of our courses and everything else we have to offer. You just go visit us at militarycashflow.com. It's a work in progress and we're adding more and more stuff all the time, but go check it out to get uh, all the newest stuff. So who do we got for today? Yeah, so today we got Marcus Long. He's coming to us mm. from the Navy. Uh, he's in the Navy and he's freaking, he's in England. He's in, uh, good, no, I was going to say good day, mate, but that's like, <laughs> that's like, that's, that's just, that's just pure he, he crumpets. There you go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's over in uh, England and he's in the Navy and he, we're going to talk about his uh, bulletproof style investing. Yeah, and we're covering everything, guys, from his uh, first, you know, original condo to how he bought a 36-acre farm to a commercial real estate property to syndication. Like, it just, the, the whole journey is like this up and hill battle, but it's seamless, very risk-adverse, very, very efficient way of doing it. So with that being said, let's get to it. Hey, how's it going? This is Dan Wynn and Mike Glaspie, and this is the Military Cashflow Podcast, where we teach service members how to build wealth and create passive cash flow through real estate. We cover real deals, real numbers, and real lessons learned from other successful investors. Now, whether you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening on the podcast, we need you to like, share, and subscribe. Now, let's get started creating this military cash flow. What's going on, guys? This is Dan Wynn. And Mike Glaspie. And welcome to Military Cash Flow. Today, we have a very special guest. His name is Marcus Long, coming, from, uh, coming to us from the Navy. And he has a very long story, to, uh, a very long past of investing, right? And uh, we're going to kind of talk about that a little bit. Uh, welcome to the show, Marcus. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, where you are, what you're doing? And um, let us know. Yeah. First of all, thanks for having me, guys. I'm uh, excited to be on here uh, to chat today and, and kind of uh, uh, spread the military cash flow message. Um, so, yeah, I'm a husband, father of two little ones. Um, I'm a naval officer. I enlisted right out of high school in uh, 2001 and uh, commissioned in the Navy uh, as an officer in 2007 and a real estate investor. And so we'll kind of uh, get into the, the story a little bit, but it started um, started pretty early on actually in my career. And it's kind of been similar to a, uh, 
the, the rolling start of a NASCAR race. You know, I mean, it took me uh, quite a while to kind of get going. I acquired a few properties in the first 10 years or so, but it's just been in the recent years where I kind of um, escalated the velocity at which I've picked up some single family. And I got stationed over here in England uh, about a year ago. And so I've had to kind of, um, you know, I've pivoted a little bit um, recently to kind of get into some a limited partnership and some syndications and as well as doing some private lending. So that's kind of where, uh, where I am right now. That's awesome, man. Hey, I got to ask. So a lot of people, you know, they go to college and the, you know, you went to, did you go to a military college or did you go to ROTC program? I went through a, it was associated with the ROTC program at the university of Missouri. Okay. And so did you always intend to join the military? Was it like a family tradition or was it like free college? What yeah, was it was, it was interesting really because, um, I do have, you know, certainly both my grandparents uh, were in the military. I've had some uncles and stuff that were, um, but actually so my brother joined about a year before I did. And, uh, and he actually had, had tried to convince me uh, to join. And, and a year before I did, I told him there's no way I'm joining the military. I'm certainly not going active duty. Um, and as I got closer to the end of my senior year, you know, I kind of just realized um, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life. Um, and I didn't really want to go to college at that point in time and, and just waste time, you know, not knowing what I was trying to do. And so, yeah, it was just really in the last few months before I, I graduated high school that I decided to, uh, to join. And so I made the decision and, and left two weeks out of high school. So you made the decision to join the Navy. Um, you, you said you were in college yeah, and you don't want to waste that time afterwards, right? <laughs> you don't want to waste that time afterwards, right? So what kind of drove that decision, right? Did, did you maybe read something or did something kind of hit you and you're like, ah, oh, well, I'm not really sure what I want to do. And where, where, did the, where did that, I guess, idea really, really come from? Yeah. So I was, I was still in high school at the time and I, I think I didn't want to go like, waste money and time in college. Like, of course, now, you know, looking back now, you know, your first couple of years are a lot of basic uh, courses and stuff like that, where you kind of have time to, to make a decision. So, you know, it may not have been a big, big impact, but I didn't want to go spend time in college and spending money um, when I really didn't have a direction uh, to go to. And so uh, initially, I just kind of thought I was buying myself time. You know, I was like, oh, I'll join for four years. That'll give me some more time uh, to decide what path I want to go. And really all it did was open more options. And here I am, you know, 19 plus years later. So you got to love that about the military. It's, it's, uh, and, and I'm out now, you know, I'm a veteran now after, after 10 years or so, but, uh, I, it was the same thing. I got in with the intent to like, Hey, yeah, you know, this is just a little, a little bit more wiggle room before I can decide, or I can gain right. another skill set. And before you know it, a couple of deployments later in England, right. <laughs> doing apartment syndication, <laughs> got to love yeah. it. How was that being in England and uh, and still still doing work back here? How are you managing that? Yeah, so it's been a it's been an adjustment, um, you know, a little bit different. You know, I've been stationed in, um, you know, Virginia and Hawaii and California and Colorado and stuff, and, and most of my investments are um, in Missouri and stuff anyway. So um, I've been used to doing long distance investing over the course of of my career. Um, coming over here is a little bit different because you add in even more, I guess it's similar to Hawaii, you know, you add in even more of a, a time uh, difference and stuff like where you're coordinating with people and, and things like that. But um, part of that, part of that's, you know, we can get to in a, a while as well when you we start talking about, um, that's kind of why I made a little bit of a pivot. I still have a lot of the buy and holds, but, you know, I was fortunate as I kind of went through my career and some of the other investing uh, and things that I, I did have a little bit of a capital built up and to my disposal. And so, 
that kind of gave me uh, the opportunity to, to pivot a bit and get into as a limited partner and a couple uh, syndications, apartment, mobile home park syndications, and um, as well as some of the private lending that I've been uh, doing as well. So um, yeah, it's, it's allowed me to pivot. And so now I'm doing some buy and hold stuff as well as other, other investing. So let's, so let's rewind the clock then. Let's rewind the clock. So here you are, a young buck, you know, brand new commissioned. Now, did you buy your first home right, like recently, right after you commissioned? Was it before? Tell us about that first deal, kind of what it looked like. Was it an intentional investment? Kind of like the whole story about that first deal. Yeah, I think this is a, it's a really important one. And uh, it, it certainly is, you know, I'll tell you about it. It wasn't a home run um, by any means. It was, a, it was kind of a base hit and it kind of got me started. Um, it, I actually bought it when I was still enlisted and I was going back to, uh, to Columbia, Missouri. It was part of the commissioning program. And so the program that I did, they actually, I didn't have my degree. Um, it's called, it was called Seaman to Admiral, uh, State 21, and basically sent me back to college to get my degree while I was still on active duty. And so I spent three years there, 36 months uh, to get my degree. I was getting paid uh, active duty and getting my BAH. And so in the months leading up to going back to school, you know, I had always been interested in, you know, math and, and finance and stuff. And I ended up being a finance major. Um, and so I kind of, I thought, you know, at that point in time, I was 22 years old and I was like, I knew that there was value in, in home ownership. And um, so I, I wanted to look into buying something, you know, the BH would kind of cover the cost of buying one. And so I went back and I looked at some, properties. I had spent a couple months at a, you know, commissioning uh, up at um, a school up at Newport, Rhode Island. And so before I went to that school, I went home, I did some house hunting and I had a realtor that had used, uh, been a family friend uh, and stuff. And so she helped me, took me around to look at some condos and I ended up deciding on one. And it was a, a new construction, three bedroom, two bath condo. And honestly, I wasn't, um, I wasn't looking at it as like a rental or a cash flow investment or anything like that. I just, you know, I think it was more like I knew that real estate was a wealth building tool and it was an opportunity to, to purchase something. So, you know, as a 22 year old, I think I was mostly thinking of it from, you know, the, the equity pay down, the debt pay down over time and building some equity, like long-term. I wasn't thinking about cash flow. I didn't run it as a rental property. I didn't think about, you know, the, the ability to potentially do forced appreciation um, or, or anything else, you know, and so I bought a nice uh, three bedroom, two bath, new construction, a condo. And um, so that's where, you know, I moved in there whenever I, I went to, got back to Columbia, Missouri and started going to school. And shortly thereafter, I ended up uh, house hacking, uh, you know, kind of before I knew that the term rented out a room to one of my high school friends. Um, so it wasn't very intentional in that aspect either. You know, he wanted a place to live. I knew, you know, again, being a finance guy, I was like, yeah, a chance to pay part of the mortgage. And uh, so we kept moving in that direction. And it probably wasn't, it wasn't until after I graduated and got commissioned um, and I, I moved, I got stationed in Hawaii. And so at that point in time, I decided to rent it out. And that's probably the, the point in time when I started realizing some of these other, you know, the cash flow and things like that, because it, it is in the HOA. And so you start realizing like, oh, it's not just the principal interest taxes and insurance. You know, there are these other expenses uh, that go along when you're trying to uh, make cash flow off of a rental property. And so, you know, that property typically has, has cash flowed probably a hundred dollars a month. Um, but in, in 12 years that I've been gone, it's probably only been vacant for maybe two months, uh, I think. So, you know, altogether. So it's pretty, um, 
have, I've learned a lot. Like I said, it wasn't a home run rental investment. Um, but the, the equity that I got over time and things like that also have allowed me to, to use some of that to get into other properties down the road. All right, so we're going to go ahead and take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Hey, make sure you go leave a five-star review on the podcast and then also go check out militarycashflow.com to get access to all the products we have. We have a bunch of great stuff on the website to include um, access to the Facebook group, access to a military cash flow calculator so you can analyze your deals. We have uh, courses. We have all of our social media. We just have a bunch of stuff on there, so go check that out. And with that, Here's a word from our sponsors. That's, Absolutely. That's fantastic. And you said one key thing there. You, you kept saying, hey, it wasn't a home run. It wasn't a home run. It wasn't a home run. It was a base hit, right? A lot of times that's all that you need. I, I'd say more times than not, that's all that you need is that base hit because that starts to get the wheels turning, right? And you, you probably learned so much through just that one property. You talked about you learned some house hacking there, right? Uh, before before we even coined the term what house hacking was. Uh, so you were already house hacking. You understood there was appreciation, you know, debt pay down that way and appreciation, not even considering forced, uh, forced appreciation. You you had it rented out to a friend, so you got to understand that experience of being a landlord, right? Kind of managing the property. And then more importantly, you understood or you learned how to um, analyze future deals. It's just like you said, it's more than just pity. It's more than just principal interest, tax, and insurance. Now you got HOA. Oh, well, now you got vacancies. Luckily, you know, you didn't have to really worry about any vacancies, but um, how much you learned in the process of just off of that base hit and that eventually built up to where now you're, you know, you, you've got a uh, basis loaded all the time. You know what I mean? So that, that's awesome. Yeah, it's absolutely right. And I, I still, you know, like I said, since it, you know, sometimes people think they have to have the home run to, mm -hmm. to get started because they hear everyone else's things. And at that point in time, I wasn't even looking for a rental investment, but you know, I learned so much from that. And as I said, like over the next 10 years, I didn't do a lot of investing. So by the time I was ready to buy some other stuff, I did have some, you know, equity in there that I've used for cross collateralization and stuff. And so, um, yes. the, you know, the <laughs> yeah. amount that, that, that investment and that property is still, you know, one of the most important things I ever did as a, as a 22 year old, you know? It, so I, I got it. I got it. You're exactly right, man. There's so many people that first off, when people tell their, their hoorah stories, they're only telling the good stuff that makes a good story, right? That's so right. people get infatuated. I mean, that's the problem with social media these days, right? Everybody sees the glitz and the glamour. They don't see the struggle. And so understanding that you have to get into the game to even play the game, that you have to get that first deal is super important. I'm going to take a, just a small step back because you've dropped a little nugget out there that a lot of people aren't aware of. Is your program where it took you from enlisted to officer, is it called C to Admiral? Is that correct? Seaman to Admiral. Okay. State 21. Seaman to Admiral. And I'm assuming that's very similar to the Army's green to gold, where we yes. take enlisted, right? Um, so for all the, the service members listening out there, guys, there are so many little pieces, little nuggets that the, that the military provides service members to take advantage. Where Marcus was able to say, hey, I'm ready to advance my career. I'm ready to take myself further, even outside of the military. And the, and the military will pay for it all. Right. So just a quick nugget there. I just wanted to kind of drop that in there. I've never heard of Seaman Admiral, but it's the same thing as green to gold. Um, and then HOA, HOA, if, if you could just briefly explain what an HOA is. And then if you remember what is actually included or what, what, or what is included in your HOA for that condo. Right. Yeah. So HOA is a homeowners association. And basically, you know, I mean, for those not familiar, they, they basically have bylaws uh, and stuff. 
for different communities, a lot of times associated with, with condos, some, you know, other like single family uh, homes have uh, HOAs and stuff as well. And each HOA is different, but there are, there are rules, you know, it, it does limit sometimes things that you can do. So if you have a single family house or something, you know, whether you can build fence or what color your fence has to be or things of that nature. Um, you know, so it, some people don't like it because it limits the, the different things that they, uh, they can do with their property. Um, other times people do like it because the, in the, in the HOA fee, you know, it can include different, you know, my particular one for this condo, uh, there is, there's a pool there. There's like a basketball court and a, a playground, you know, it takes care of all like the mowing and the snow removal um, and, you know, things of that nature. We had, while I lived there, we had a huge uh, hailstorm that did significant amount of damage uh, to the properties. And so all of the exterior, you know, the, the siding um, and thing, the roof and all that kind of stuff was replaced through the HOA insurance uh, versus our personal insurance. And so, yeah, different HOAs are different and include uh, different aspects you know, there's benefits to them and there's sometimes not, not so great benefits, but um, it, it definitely was important in this aspect because even today um, I still own the property and it does, it does take a healthy chunk out of, um, you know, your cash flow potential there. So uh, it's definitely something that needs to be considered whenever you're, um, if you're intending to buy something for rental property that is in an HOA. And one thing I like to always say is everything comes, you know, everything balances out in the end, right? So if you're going to spend more money on HOA, which reduces your cash flow, see how it actually affects your capital expenditure, right? Because right. HOA may cover the roof, right, for this specific situation or right. whatever the case is. But always understand those things and run your numbers. Super important there. Okay, excellent. So what, what was next? First deal into what happened to yeah. the next one? So, so I roll out of there and um, I went to... Hawaii. I was stationed in Hawaii. So my next like 10 years, so I was in Hawaii for three in San Diego, uh, or I guess about five. So it's about the next eight years. Five of those, I was on ships and subs and stuff doing quite a bit of time deploying. And so it wasn't very intentional. You know, I continued to get the income from this, uh, this condo. Uh, 2010, I picked up another single family house. It was very, uh, just an opportunity. My brother was actually uh, selling one, leaving for a job. I ended up picking it up as a rental. Again, I wasn't really looking, I just kind of fell into that. And then in 2013, um, I ended up buying 36 acre farm uh, just down the road from, uh, from my dad. And again, that was kind of um, an opportunity. I wasn't looking that much. We'd been, uh, we'd been renting some of our, our family farm to some, some cattlemen in Nebraska. It was pretty, uh, a lot higher than the, the average uh, market for pasture rent and stuff. And so an opportunity to come up at an auction to, to buy that farm. And for a couple of years, I uh, was renting that out to some farmers in Nebraska. So that's, you know, single family house, a little farm there in a couple of years. And um, that's kind of what led me up uh, acquiring a couple of properties, not very intentional about it. Still, they just were opportunities, kind of picked them up. And that was kind of about it up until uh, late 2016. Uh, so my, the next thing after that was I had moved to Colorado by this time and it was uh, late 2016, and another extended family member was was selling a um, small commercial building in my hometown. It's a small rural community in, in northeast Missouri, and uh, I don't. It wasn't even on the market. I don't. I don't think. I think she just mentioned, you know, that they were talking about selling it and stuff. And I kind of reached out to her and asked about it, and she's like, "Oh, that's funny. Your brother had also reached out to me and kind of asked me about it. And my brother was in Iraq at the time he was deployed uh, to Iraq. And so even from over there, you know, he kind of, 
I reached out. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to compete against him. Right. So I kind of reached out to him and we just kind of started talking a little bit. And, um, you know, we had some of the same goals, you know, we kind of wanted to start acquiring some real estate as you know, a wealth generator and to build some uh, generational wealth for our families and provide options. And so we just decided, you know, like, Hey, if we're going to do this, let's, let's do it together. You know, let's partner and work together. And, so that kind of led us to putting together a, an LLC. There's actually five of us. I have two older brothers and then two brother-in-laws. Um, so there's five of us all together um, in that. And, and that started in late 2016, early 2017. And since then we've acquired about uh, 12, I think about 12 doors, you know, single family houses, a couple like commercial buildings or multi-use spaces. And that's mostly around our uh, hometown in Northeast Missouri. A couple of them are within an hour or so uh, from there. But that's what kind of been working on uh, since that time frame. Yeah, that's phenomenal. So you got with your brothers. You you guys were both looking at the same property in two different locations. Um, and your you know your realtor's like, hey, your brother was just looking at this. And you got five brothers. That's crazy. And you guys are all on yeah. the same page uh, when it comes to you know building that wealth. That's what we call like legacy wealth, right, for the family. So that's that's awesome. Um, one thing, one question I have is, you know, you got the condo, you got a farm, you got some commercial buildings. And then you got them all in the same location, right? Why did you choose your hometown? Why, why did you choose uh, that place? I mean, I assume it's pretty rural there, rural there. And I know a lot of people will talk about population and things like that. So what was your, what was you guys' thought process in keeping it local and, and building there? Yeah. So with the, um, like the farm and stuff, part of that was because it was right down the road from my dad. We were already renting to some farmers and stuff that he took care of. So it was close proximity for him to take care of that property and stuff as well. And then as we kind of moved in with, um, you know, talking with the business with my brothers, um, that first property happened that we were both looking at happened to be in our, our hometown. And from there, we have mostly expanded there because we're, we are, we're all kind of geographically separated. Um, so of course I'm over here in England, that brother's uh, in the, the Navy as well. So he's moved around from Washington to California to Georgia and now Tennessee in that time frame. a brother in Kansas right now. And then there are two in Missouri as well. Uh, one of those does live in our hometown. And so he is kind of there as, as kind of our property manager for the, for the time being, right? So we, we do most of our properties. There's a couple like an hour away in another town that we do have professional property management, but the ones in our hometown, we do manage ourselves. And so that was kind of because we were also geographically separated. That's the, the one place we knew at the time, right? We didn't spend a bunch of time doing market research somewhere else. And not that there's anything wrong with, with doing that. It's just like, that's the way, that's the place we knew. That's where the first property we was that bought together. Uh, we had a brother-in-law that was there helping uh, to, to manage the properties. And we also knew, you know, we, although it is a pretty small population right there, there's, there's always a demand for rentals. There are always people asking if anyone knows of any rentals available. And so we know that there's a need uh, for people to do so. Right. And so we just have to take that into consideration, you know, that the rents in that rural area aren't as high as you're going to see in, you know, some urban areas. Um, there is kind of a, a cap on, you know, the, the price that people that are renting are willing to pay um, that, that's less than, but we just have to, we need to take that into account on the front side when we're purchasing like, you know, where, you know, where's the range that makes it affordable for us to purchase and still cash flow on the back end. But one thing it sounds like you don't have to worry about too much because it's a smaller town is those vacancies, right? You said 12 years in a condo and only what, two months vacant. That's, that's absolutely unheard of. So uh, I guess that's one of the advantages to, to, to being in a smaller 
uh, smaller populated areas, right? Yeah, the the properties, the single family houses and stuff that we have people in, we we don't. I mean, you know, our second property that we bought in LLC was a single family house and and stuff. And that one, the very first tenants that we had move in shortly after we bought the property are still in it today. You know, it's been three and a half years or something like that, and no. Uh, I don't, I don't see any signs of them leaving anytime soon. Right. And so, um, yeah, we don't have a lot of vacancies there. The, the couple places that we have vacant are, are typically our own fault. Like we've bought properties that we were, we bought a couple properties uh, via auction that we uh, were going to rehab. It was bigger rehab than we thought. We we're kind of like slow to do rehab or, you know, you know, cause we didn't have that system set up yet. We were just buying kind of more, I don't say turnkey, but things that needed just a little bit of, rehab work and get somebody in. And so a couple we bought needed bigger things and took us longer to, to get done. And those ones that have vacancies are typically our own fault, not because the, the community. And, and that slow growth, that, 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 um, I, that, I guess methodical approach to the acquisitions that you guys have done has truly made your business model, you know, bulletproof in essence, right? It's, it's, it, you went from 2004, slow move to Hawaii, got another one, then 2013, 36 acre farm random right that's not even is, in the yeah. wheelhouse that you were doing then another three years later right everybody thinks i have to buy a deal one deal a year five deals a year whatever the case is no, three years later then you bought a commercial building again not in your wheelhouse right something completely random and then from there it started to scale because you partnered with your brothers and you started to leverage a lot of those gaps right your time you know your energy and things of that nature that's exactly um, right yeah i mean that's one thing, you know, some people think you have to, to have focus and do just one thing. And, and there's value in, in focusing and, you know, a system and getting good at, at one thing. Uh, I certainly can't claim that that has been me. You know, I've, you know, a lot of different things, you know, the condo, the farm, single family, a couple commercial buildings. Uh, some of them just kind of like opportune, opportunistic type things. And, um, but it's worked for us, you know, it's been kind of slow growth. And we're at a point now where, it, you know, that we can kind of, uh, you know, see what's working, whatnot, and, and take up opportunities and, and kind of going back, you know, we talk about the leverage and stuff. Some of the beginning of this out of those 12 properties, I think we've only put a down payment on, on maybe two of them or something. We've had like a lot of different creative uh, financing or different things like that. And, and if you go all the way back to that condo that I bought, you know, in 2004, uh, you know, and admittedly I bought that condo individually, but I used some equity we had in that condo to help us get into a couple of our first properties as an LLC, right? So I, you know, that was one of my contributions to the LLC. But by that time I had so much equity in there that we were able to, to cross, -collateralize, cross collateralize and use some of that equity to, to not put a down payment on a couple of our first properties. Let's talk about so that, that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, please. Do a little bit deeper dive on that. So you, you mentioned <laughs> some creative strategies that you had and I love that you talked about, um, you had the equity in your home and you use that to uh, cross collateralize and, and, and get into new assets. Can we talk about that a little bit? And then also, um, how are you able to do some of the creative things that you were able to do? Uh, can you break that down for us, please? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I'll give you, I'll try to do, be quick on this, but I'll do like three or four like different things um, that we that have helped us out. So our very first property, the, the little small commercial property that we got as, a, as an LLC, um, and this is one of the benefits of being in a small town and small community banks, uh, there was no tricks to that one. We literally just went and talked to the bank and we said, Hey, we are starting this thing up together. We, we want to kind of revitalize. It was an underused commercial building. You know, we want to give back to this community. And we, we literally 
got a loan for zero down. What? So they just gave us a loan, no money down. It was a small, it's a small commercial building. It's not great, not, not a huge value. Uh, we just went and talked to them and they gave us money for zero down. So that was one. Uh, the second property that we bought together was a single family house. And it, we bought it from uh, someone in the extended family. And, you know, they were going to put it on market. Uh, we talked to them and, and we ended up purchasing the property. And uh, so we purchased a property. I think it was appraised for about $86,000 and we bought it for $60,000. And we were talking to the banker again. We were kind of asking, you know, do we have to put a down payment on the appraised price? Do we have to put it on the price that we're paying? And within that conversation, what we basically ended up doing is the family, we had the family member gift us, a couple of us, um, the down payment. So, you, you know, I think, you know, how uh, you can gift, I think it's 14 or $15,000 a year um, to, to an individual, right? And so um, the, the money, physical money didn't actually cross hands, but it was basically the, the family member gifted a couple of us the down payment. And by doing that, we ended up not paying any, anything down on that either. Right. So that's kind of a unique situation where we're buying within a family um, and stuff that's not going to be available to everyone. Um, and there are some risks there, too, you know, depending on the age of the family member, there's potential uh, impacts to whether they can get Medicare, Medicaid, things like that. So think about the consequences, uh, but just, you know, kind of to, to think about different options that you can use. And then going back to the cross collateralization, uh, it's probably the third property or so, and I've, I've done it for a couple of them, but uh, when I started to use that. So now we're third property. We still haven't put a down payment on, on something um, that we've bought together. And basically what I've done is I had enough equity built up in the condo and in the LLC, we were starting to make, you know, small capital contributions individually. Um, but we didn't have like a, a large capital yet built up. And so uh, I just decided like, Hey, I, I was willing to, as part of my contribution to use some of that equity, to, uh, to get into another property. And, you know, so for those that don't know how that works, I'm basically, you know, some people you know, use a HELOC or they, you know, they may refinance another property and pull cash out, uh, different options like that. And by doing this, I, I didn't, don't have any like the administrative costs of doing that. Basically uh, the bank that we're using um, basically gets a second lien position on my condo, right? And so I'm using the equity the same as people are pulling cash out and they, the current bank on our new property gets a second lien position on my condo. So is there a risk in doing that? Absolutely. You know, if, if something happened that we um, defaulted on the new property, the bank can go after your, your second one. Right. And so there are risks in doing that. Uh, it's, you know, you can use it. There's, there's ways to, to get around that too. If you're using it for a burr or something like that, you can use that equity to get into the property. And then when you, uh, have done the rehab and pulled money out or something, you can kind of untie it from the, the, the lien on your other property. So there are risks in doing it. You have to understand that and know that, and, and there are ways to, to mitigate it as well. All right, so we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Hey, make sure you go leave a five-star review on the podcast, and then also go check out militarycashflow.com to get access to all the products we have. We have a bunch of great stuff on the website to include um, access to the Facebook group, access to a military cash flow calculator so you can analyze your deals. We have uh, courses, we have all of our social media. We just have a bunch of stuff on there, so go check that out, and with that, Here's a word from our sponsors. Yeah, so. cross 
cross collateralization is like the new sexy thing that I'm really trying to, to study and learn. And you're right. There's so, there's so many creative ways you can do it. It's a simple concept. It's a simple concept. Um, but there are a lot of little different nuances. How did you find a man? And we're not going to spend too much time on this, but how did you find a, a bank that was willing to do the cross collateralization to take the second position? Yeah. Right. So again, uh, the, the bank we're using is, well, we've used a couple different banks, but they're in our, our small hometown, right? Gotcha. And so we basically, and I did that. The first time I did that, I didn't even, I actually didn't even know the term. I just, I went and said like, hey, I have equity in this property. What's the most like efficient way for me to use that uh, and stuff? And like later on, you know, kind of heard the term. But yeah, we're using some small community banks. You know, we have very close relationships with them. We grew up around them. We know them. They know our family. They know what we're trying to do and accomplish. And, you know, I think they, of course, they have close tabs on us. They see what we're, they, they can see what we're doing every day when they drive down Main Street um, and stuff. So, uh, but yeah, we just went to a small community bank. We, we talked to them about it and that's how they, and, and in one case, I think the bank has a second and like third lien on, on the condo. And uh, if you're using the same bank, they're more likely to do that. They might not mind having, you know, second and third together. If you have a different bank on each, you know, if you have like three properties tied to one, you know, banks aren't probably going to want to take the the third lien or something like that. Right. Cause they're, they're third in line, but uh, yeah. So, so one thing that all the, everybody listening, the audience, the biggest thing that you guys need to take away from this is that there's, you know, just ask guys, there's so many solutions out there. Ask the questions. Even if you don't know the right questions to ask, Marcus said, he just walked in. He was like, Hey, I got equity. What do I do with it? Right. He didn't know cross collateralization was a thing. He didn't know, you know, how to tie him up and to do the burr on the back end and so forth and so on. So you got to just ask questions. And ultimately, the real kind of nugget there was that, you know, when you do partnerships, everybody's going to have a role, a responsibility, and everybody's going to have to contribute in one way or another. And if you already have gotten your property a couple years back and you got some equity, you know, an owner contribution does not have to be with, with cash, right? It does not have to be a standard capital call, right? It can be with equity. It can be with time. It can be with, you know, whatever, right? Maybe you got the good credit. So maybe you're yeah. the one that guarantees the, the, the loan. So just understand these things, guys, as you're moving forward. And there's so many ways to put together a beautiful creative deal and make it bulletproof. You know, that's how you got to do it. Yeah, so that's, I, I love I love the story. I love the cross collateralization. I love your your flow of how you did things. You, it, a very deliberate in, in I know that sometimes you say it was kind of sporadic, I guess, but um, deliberate up into getting, you know, building your team, which is essentially a team of your brothers, and then also in, in your hometown. Um, yeah, I completely love how you did that. Now, when you when it comes to um, building out the rest of your team, right, I know you got a brother that's on ground. Um, how are you guys finding, cause you, you mentioned in the uh, a few minutes ago, talking about how you rehab the homes and things like that. I mean, are, are you also using um people like in your hometown to do that as well or how are you finding those how are you finding those members to put into your team yeah it is mostly uh mostly around our hometown like the general contractors and things like that there are a handful of those and just like everywhere else you know even in bigger urban areas and stuff it is a it is a challenge you know number one either to find um good quality or ones that are available right if they're good good in quality then it's difficult to, you know, be on a time, good timeline and stuff. But most of the, 
like general contractors and stuff that have done work for us and stuff are in our hometown. And in reality, most of them went to high, high school with us or something like that. Like some of them um, went to high school with us, went to college, came back, um, have started businesses there in our hometown. And so we're using people that we know and trust, uh, right? They, that is one benefit of, of that area uh, and that, or in your small hometown or something like that versus having to necessarily bet people that you absolutely don't know. Most of these people we, we grew up with or, um, or know them. There's been a couple of situations, you know, where we've had to do like some foundation work and things where we had to go outside, you know, an hour or two away and bring somebody in. But we, we kind of just reached out to uh, some other people and just kind of vetted when we started hearing the same name two or three, four times, you know, that's when we started calling. But most of the different um, team members and stuff that we use whether, you know, it's like I said, we property manager owned as far as like contractors, banking, our insurance, all that kind of stuff is, is mostly hometown uh, businesses. Yeah, you gotta love it, man. Yeah. The, the small town thing is, um, you know, I guess it's overlooked. I think might be, might be the best way to kind of describe it because many people think when a small town, uh, like Dan was, was mentioning earlier, Hey, we don't have the population. We don't have the income. We, we can't invest there. But then just like to your point, well, hey, you know, we got the bank relationship, so we get the best finance. Yeah. You know, we got the contractors that we went to high school, we played, you know, we played ball with them. So right. um, a lot of times they are overlooked and they can be very, very strong markets. Yeah, I mean, so, as you grow, grow and get bigger, you know, I mean, certainly there's, um, you know, there might be a limited pipeline there compared to, to larger places. But certainly when you're, when you're starting out and depending on like what, what you want to grow to and what your goals are, uh, there's certainly value in, in starting there. So that's actually a perfect segue. So as you're ready to scale, you mentioned now you're in some limited partnerships and some syndications, some passive investing. And I'm assuming that's because you're ready to scale. So what does that look like on your end? What, what, why did you decide to go there? And what does that actually entail? Yeah. So, you know, it's a good question. Uh, and uh, as I get closer, you know, I said earlier, I was at 19 years um, in the military and I'm, you know, kind of on the the verge of looking at transitioning out of the military in the next few years. And so, you know, we started this business with uh, my brothers and stuff in our hometown. And one thing we did with that LLC is we had agreed that we were not going to do any kind of distributions for a certain number of years, right? Uh, all of the capital was going back in there so that we can grow. And so when I started looking at that, you know, I knew it was like that, that time period to do distributions was going to be um, after I intended to get out of the military. And so I wanted to kind of take some stuff on my own as well on the side. And uh, my, my goal to be to replace my military income by the time I retire. And so I was like, uh, I'm doing all this work in the LLC and that growth, but we're not going to do distributions. And I'm not doing enough stuff on my, you know, myself right now to, to meet that goal. So I was like, I got to kick it into gear. Right. And so, you know, uh, about the time I, um, well, shortly after I came over to, to England, uh, joined a mastermind back in the fall, and that, that's been that's been money. You know, it's kind of uh, helped uh, help me increase the velocity. But and it, it kind of gave me the relationships and saw a lot of these opportunities that I'm getting into. And so as I got, as I got over here, I was kind of looking like, you know, how do I scale on some of my personal investments so that I can achieve replacing uh, that military income? And within this mastermind stuff, I just started learning. Um, you know, more, more about different opportunities um, and stuff other than just, you know, single family buy and hold and things like that. And so in talking with a few of the, uh, the guys and girls in the group, um, you know, I have like this capital. So I, when I was in Colorado, 
uh, I owned a house there. We Airbnb a room and stuff. And so between, and we sold it, you know, for a pretty good profit when we left and came over here. And so between some of the capital that I had built up um, through the years, plus what we had from selling that property in Colorado, uh, I was sitting on some capital and I was like, you know, I, I, I want to invest this, you know, better than it was kind of sitting in a high yield saving. I was trying to be kind of patient, make sure I used it correctly. Uh, and that's when I just, my eyes got opened up to some other opportunities where I had the capital and I could invest in, you know, people were out there looking for these deals. And uh, so I got in just after the, the, since the beginning of this year, I didn't really invest in a whole lot more in the, you know, the last few months of last year, those kind of transitioning and getting settled over here. And uh, so just since the beginning of this year, you know, I've been invested as a limited partner in a mobile home park syndication and in an apartment syndication. And I've done private lending on about three or four different um, uh, flips for, you know, being the private doing gap funding or different, you know, different ones have different needs, but I've done that about four times uh, as well. And so, yeah, it's just kind of given me an opportunity to, uh, to expand to some different areas and, you know, the, the, the private lending is kind of a, you know, two to seven months where I'm getting my money back and, you know, keeps my money working while I'm looking at other opportunities and some of the syndications, you know, those syndications might be looking for a like five to seven year turnaround, you know, before they, you know, might uh, look at selling them or something. And so trying to kind of, uh, you know, ladder the timeframes and things like that, in which I expect money to, to be coming back around. So that's kind of what I'm working on right now. For all my finance nerds out there, let's rise up. Like, think about it, guys. So we all look at, um, well, every time we invest, right, no matter where you are across the board, across the spectrum, we talk about our dividend or whatever time we're going to start receiving our returns. And a lot of times you'll ladder them, just like Marcus is talking about, right? So you have some long-term yields, you have some short-term yields. And as they start to come back, even dividend investing, right? Some pay off quarterly, so let's stack them. So maybe the, the quarterly would be due on like January, whatever the third and fourth, so forth and so on. This is farm. You know what? I'm going to get a commercial space for zero down, and then I'm going to move into limited uh, partnerships and syndication, right? And it's a bulletproof yeah. method because it's systematic, right? It's smooth. It's thought out. You just ask questions. I mean, did you have anybody in your life, Marcus, teach you about real estate, or was this pretty much self-taught, and as you went, you, you found mentors and people to kind of educate you along the way? Yeah. So, I mean, there certainly wasn't anybody in like my younger years that, that was into real estate this way that I was learning from. I, you know, I'm not going to say that it was all on me. Everything I know is, is based on people that uh, I've surrounded myself with. Right. So certainly other people have been a huge value in that, but there, there wasn't someone in my life that was in real estate that I, I followed and learned from, you know, it was kind of one I, once I picked it up, I picked up some books, I read some podcasts and you start, you know, you start surrounding yourself with those people. And uh, you know, that's kind of how you, you learn, I think. And, and um, get that knowledge and just and take action and do stuff right like exactly. can't, can't just sit on it and uh, and do nothing so you know sometimes it does seem like I haven't been focused and I've been in different areas but uh, you know it was important to me I was like I was taking action I was doing something right and so and over time you, you know not all of the decisions you make are going to be be perfect uh, and you kind of optimize some things later right when I started doing the private lending at the beginning of this year uh, I was doing that with some of my personal personal money and, you know, as I'm kind of like learning a little bit and stuff, I'm like, you know, I'm going to set up a self-directed IRA with, with a Roth that I have because I want to, I want to do the private lending in a more tax advantaged way. Right. And so the, doing it with my personal money, I'm not really getting any tax advantages. So I'd rather buy assets with my personal money 
and get the, you know, the depreciation and things like that, and then do my private lending in a self-directed IRA where I can, you know, that's more tax advantage. So, you know, you, your decisions don't have to be perfect in the start, you know, take some action and then you can kind of finesse things uh, as you go down the road. Love yeah. It. Hey, diversification, right? Everybody talks about diversification and typically what everybody thinks about when they, when they hear that is the stock market, right? And you can only diversify yeah. through the stock market and you know, you got to buy some tech stocks, you got to buy some, I don't know, some commodities, you got to buy some, something like that. Marcus here is talking about diversification, diversifying in all types of finance, even, even just in real estate himself, uh, alone. He's talked about flips. He's talked about Airbnb. He's talked about private lending. Right, it's talked about uh, limited partnerships on syndications. Um, then you go into the self-directed IRA. We talk about these streams of income, right? These different streams. I mean, that, that, I think I just named off like four or five just just alone, and he's already touched on more than that. So it, you don't just diversify only through the stock market. That's one tool, one one thing that you can do to to, to diversify through. When people talk about real estate, there's multiple ways to diversify through real estate. Um, and like I said, Marcus has already done five or six of them. So I just, that's something to think about. That diversification doesn't only have to be just, just uh, the stock market. Real estate provides, uh, provides the ability to diversify as well. So love it. All right, so we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Hey, make sure you go leave a five-star review on the podcast and then also go check out militarycashflow.com to get access to all the products we have. We have a bunch of great stuff on the website to include um, access to the Facebook group, access to a military cash flow calculator so you can analyze your deals. We have uh, courses, we have all of our social media. We just have a bunch of stuff on there, so go check that out and with that, Here's a word from our sponsors. Yeah, so um, so how much has the, uh, quick question, how much has the military influenced your uh, your business and uh, real estate skill set? Yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of things you can take from a career in the military and, and apply over, you know, whether, you know, just like the leadership and leading teams and, and things like that is, is very important. I think one of the, the things that I've thought about recently a lot that I've gotten kind of from the military that's been applicable is the ability to pivot. You know, I think mm. that, uh, you know, in the military, any of us that have done it, you know, know, you know, you spent hours and days and months or whatever to, to build up for an operation or whatever it is. And then it, it doesn't happen like six hours before it's supposed to happen, you know, and, and if you spend enough time in the military, that's just one example, but, you know, and, and you can either spend time, you know, being upset and frustrated or, or whatever, or you can look, you know, the situation has changed, right? You can look at what opportunities are available now. And so I, I think that's something I've kind of taken uh, recently. You know, I've obviously done mostly long distance as I moved around and stuff. And, and kind of as I moved over to here to England in the past year, I took a totally different direction than I had been kind of working on as that, as that continues to to move but as okay what now right like so the situation has changed and uh you know when i first uh going back a little just a little bit on the story when i was in colorado um that's when i first really started going to some meetups meeting people and getting excited about actually real estate investing and you know surrounding myself with others and then i moved to england and I had to start the virtual networking a few months before everyone else did, you know, for COVID. So um, it was kind of like, I was getting excited about, excited about the meetups. And then I came over here. I was like, well, shoot, 
but I had to look at another opportunity, right? The situation changed. I had to take that opportunity. And that's, that's really how I've gotten into a lot of the opportunities that I've, I've taken this year. And so I think the, the ability to pivot has been a, a big one for me that, uh, you know, kind of like learning in the military and applying that in the real estate. And I don't think we've heard it phrased like that uh, yet to this point on this on this podcast. And I, I love it so much because I try to tell veterans all the time, our servicemen and women, that, hey, guys, we are bred. We are trained to be entrepreneurs. That's right. Right? Because we, we work 20 hours a day. We're always adjusting and adapting to the new whatever's coming down. We're always like, you know, we're trying to be as proactive as we can, but we have to be reactive to the circumstances. That's right. And that is exactly what entrepreneurs do. And uh, I just, I love how you said it like that. But again, it's just uh, coming from another successful real estate uh, investor, right? And obviously successful uh, subjective, but you've shown a very proven track record of how you've done it while active duty. So that's a that's proven right. fact that every serviceman and women out there, we can be entrepreneurs, right? So hopefully Absolutely. that's empowering to somebody listening. Absolutely. Yeah, if you, if oh, you've oh. Ever, we call that reacting to contact, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you've ever, <laughs> if you've ever been, uh, been anywhere and you know, uh, we're, we're in the military and we're, act, we're reacting to contact all the time, I love how you, how you pretty much said, hey, you can be proactive even if you got to react to contact. I mean, you can still look for those opportunities still while you're, while, while the situation has changed, like you said. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, it's human, it's human nature that you're going to get, you know, have a little bit of frustration, you know, from the, the, the switch in situation or whatever it is, but, you know, limit the amount of time you're frustrated and then look at what opportunity has presented itself. Part of life. Yeah. yeah. So I just got, I got one question before we start to kind of wrap this up. You, you mentioned it a several, several times, meetups in Colorado, and then the mastermind, which really helped you kind of push to your velocity. Right. How much uh, weight or how much would you say uh, the, the masterminds, the meetups, that personal accountability, how much have you, have, would you say has contributed to your success? Uh, certainly. So I didn't, I didn't do it for a long time. And I have seen so much change um, since I have. So the, the meetups I started in Colorado, the mastermind I started, I think it was about 10 months ago. And, um, and the accountability and just the, the motivating each other and each other's success and it, surrounding yourself with the like-minded people has been instrumental. And I'll give you one quick um, example of that. So part of the reason that I joined the mastermind was because, as I mentioned earlier, one of my goals was to make up my military paycheck by the time I retire. Well, that time, I'm not going to retire right at 20, but it's not going to be too long after. And that time's sneaking up pretty darn quick. So I, I found myself talking about replacing my income and, and um, you know, some of my peers were talking about like, oh, just stay in, get promoted, stay in another three years and see what the difference in retirement is. I was like, that's not what I want. Yeah. And I can make up that difference quicker than you can. Yeah. And so I said that, but then I was like, now I have to do it, right? And, and, and I wasn't necessarily on a track that I was going to. So I was like, I have to do something to hold myself accountable and have others help me you know, be accountable. And that's why I joined the mastermind. And I looked at the difference in if I stayed in three years and got promoted and that retirement. And since January of this year until now, I've made up 75% of that mm. just this year. Mm. So in one third. Know, yeah. in the, that's right. You know, I, if, if what you want to do is stay in the military and that's where your passion still is, and that's what you want to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Go yeah. for it. You know, I'm not, I don't want, but I don't want people to to feel like they don't have an option, right? People should have exactly. options. And so, you, you know, you have a limited 
ability to increase the velocity of your pay raises in the military, right? They come at, at systematic times. I mean, you can help yourself get promoted, but you have to wait so long to do that. Yep. I don't have to wait. I control the pay raises that I get with my own decision. And, and, how, pow and how powerful is that for you to know, you know that, hey, I want $2,000 more a month. You know that you control Absolutely. Like how powerful that's just like you said, now, you know, you, you don't rely on the military for anything, right? Again, it's a passion. It's something that you enjoy to do. You enjoy serving by all means, go out and do that. But there's so many people out there that are fearful for that paycheck. They stay in out of based off of fear. It's, it's very powerful. And you're, you're absolutely right. And I'm seeing that I've seen it for, for 19 years, but I'm also seeing it now as my peers are getting to the point where we have a decision of whether we want to retire or continue on. There's some people that are making that decision based on financial security. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to give myself financial security and give my family options so that that, you know, paycheck is, you know, waving in front of me doesn't make the decision for me. I love it. I love yeah, that, that was, that was that's, gonna be, that's gonna be its own bulletin. Yeah, yeah. that's gonna be a clip right there. <laughs> yeah, man. So, um, so if you had to give, just wrapping it up a little bit, if you had to give one piece of advice to someone out there, any service member out there that's trying to do what you're doing, what would that advice be? Well, I think we probably just spent the last three or four minutes talking about it. Really, um, you know, the 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 one-two punch that you hear a lot is is education and taking action, and I think those are are vital to do. Uh, but the one thing I would say is to get in a group and surround yourself with like-minded people. And may maybe it's the military cash flow group, right? You, you know, hop in there, engage with other people, ask questions, answer others' questions, whatever that is. But for, you know, for from 2004, when I bought my first property uh, until just about two years ago, like I never engaged with anyone outside of like my, I saw the velocity increase as I started working with my brothers and in that partnership in 2016. And then a couple of years ago, when I started going to meetups and then the mastermind that velocity continues to increase. Right. And so it, education is important. Take some action. But if you put yourself in an environment where, you know, like minded people, they're trying to go after the same types of goals that they have done or are doing the same things, you're going to get educated and you're going to take action. So that's my thing is, you know, put yourself in that environment and, uh, and you're going to grow. Put yourself in take the environment. Action. Put yourself in the environment. And, and I think you touched on a key thing that a lot of people, um, I think, miss. So um, a lot of people will join groups, will get in uh, certain circles, but they'll just kind of stay in the sideline mm -hmm. and not actually ask a question, not actually participate. Yes, correctly. Uh, correct. So what Marcus said, and he said it in there as well. So when you join those groups, when you join Military Cashflow Facebook group or, or, or whatever group you, you join, if you go to a meetup, Make sure you actually participate, ask questions, shake hands, talk to people, you know, don't, don't just sit in the, on the back and, and get the information. That's, that's all cool. What you're there to do is to add value to the group. And in turn, you're going to add value to your, whatever your personal situation is. That's how you're going to learn. That's how you're going to grow. I realize it's uncomfortable, but that is how we grow. We don't grow out of comfort. We grow out of being uncomfortable. Right. And if, every, if everybody kind of looks back into their childhood days when they were sitting in the classroom, it was those kids, you know, that y'all might have been like, oh, teachers, pet, whatever. No, it was those kids that were engaging in the curriculum, right? Engaging, like asking questions. Well, why, why, why do you carry the two? Why do you? It was those that had the better grades. It was those that grasped the concepts, right? I'm not saying that this is school. What I'm saying, this is how we learn. We engage. We have to ask the questions. We have to ask for understanding. 
and comprehension. So when you go into these places, that is what you have to do to take anything out. You, you get out what you put in. That's absolutely right. And you know, Dan, you nailed it. You know, talking about the the growth with uh, you know being in uncomfortable positions. Uh, it, that's that is right on. You know, it's like and you might be uncomfortable. Like, oh man, this is going to be a stupid question. Or like people like we've all been there. Not, like none of us have like these you know unique thoughts or, or ways, right? Like everything that we know and do around real estate, we read in a book, we heard it on a podcast, we saw it at a meetup, whatever. There aren't, there, we're not unique Inventing. thoughts. Yep. And so we've all been there. We've all learned that. Um, so, so jump out there and, and, and ask the question, engage. And then when you get to the point where you have that knowledge and someone else is asking, jump in there and answer it for them. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Hey, Marcus, man, that was an awesome episode. You, you pretty much uh, laid everything out for, I love, we went from, we went from single family homes to farms to freaking, you know, <laughs> the farm, the farms come up on being in the hometown to commercial, to <laughs> private lending to mobile home park. Like I, I love it. I love it. And that's always, that's always said this is, you know, bullet, bulletproof investing. And, and you also touched on something that I'm very, very passionate about, which is, you know, a lot of leaders kind of making a lot of their decisions in the military right? Based off of a financial situation. And in terms, in turn, a lot of those leaders, um, when they, when they only are thinking financial, they end up kind of, uh, honestly being crap leaders and that, and that affects soldiers, right? And that affects yeah. sailors or, you know, seamen or whatever, whatever service, you know, that you're in. Um, and I'm very, very passionate about that. I love that you touched on that, but, um, how can our listeners get in contact with you? Yeah. First of all, I'm going to send you all a picture of some cattle on the farm, you know, you can put those in the show notes or something. Uh, the thumbnail. Yeah. yeah. So where can they get in contact with me? Yeah. So, you know, you can hit me up on LinkedIn, uh, bigger pockets. I'm on Instagram as Marcus.l.long, uh, Facebook, you know, take your pick. I'm on all of them. Excellent. Excellent. That's too easy. Hey, so, um, Thanks for, I really, really appreciate you coming on the show. You dropped a lot of knowledge. It's an extremely valuable episode. Uh, just thanks a lot for coming on. really appreciate that. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It was awesome. Absolutely. This was a lot of good, a lot of good content. And so for everybody that's listening, you already know what to do. For anybody watching the YouTube channel, you got to smash the like button. You got to subscribe. You have to leave some comments below. Add some comments, any questions that you may have. On the, if you're listening to it on podcasts, obviously we need a five-star review, nothing less, right? But obviously give us a, your honest feedback. And then the Facebook group, guys, we have the Facebook group. Come out and join us. We've now grown to, where are we at now, Dan? We're over, like 11, I mean. At the time of this record, it's like 1,100 or so. So, yeah. 1,100, we grew like 500 in a matter of, you know, a couple of weeks. So, um, but as you guys are coming in, like we mentioned, we need you to participate and be actively involved in that, in that group, guys. Um, we, we'd love to help out new servicemen and women for sure. Um, what else we got, Dan? Yeah, so if you're uh, looking for a realtor, if you're about the PCS and you're looking for some some real estate professionals to help you out, some vetted people, uh, Mike and I and our team, we vet realtors and vet uh, other professionals to, to help you out. So if you're looking for somebody, regardless of where you're at in the U.S., uh, we can assist you. We've already assisted a few other people and, uh, and they're loving yeah. it. So make sure our, our realtors understand uh, investment terminology. Uh, most times they're investors themselves as well. So, and then also they're military friendly. So we're doing that as a service to you. Make sure 
sure that uh, that you are taken care of when you go for that first uh, cash flowing pro uh, property. And also, if you're if you're looking for a step by step virtual course, uh, we do offer that as well. Check out uh, militarycashflow.com. You can see the course. You can see the sneak peek. Uh, we show you how to you know find it, analyze it, buy, renovate, do all, all everything that you need to to pick up your first property, first second property, and all the tools that we use to analyze deals and and uh, take down these deals as well. So definitely check that out. Um, other than that, I think that's it. Hey, uh, this is Dan Wynn.